CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And caller, are you there? Hello, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, Nardwar. Who are you? My name is Gavin Miles McInnes. I'm a writer. Uh, I was born in England, but I spent most of my life in Canada. And I'm on my way to Vancouver to do funny stuff. To do a special slideshow tonight. What can you tell the people about what's happening tonight at the Biltmore, Gavin? Uh, Derek Beckles, who does TV Carnage, is going to be showing little blips of some of his finer findings. Uh, I'm sure you know he's been a purveyor of weird, funny TV throughout his life. Uh, his Gary Coleman collections alone go into the 100-hour zone. And I've been making jokes about people's pants for almost as long, and I'll be showing some of my finer tidbits. And that's tonight as part of the Oleo Fest. That's at 8 p.m., between 8 and 10 p.m. at the Biltmore, $12. And we're actually going to be giving away some tickets. So stay tuned because you, lucky listener, could win a chance to see the Street Boners and TV (laughs) Carnage slideshow happening tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada at the Biltmore. Now, Gavin, I began the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show by playing the song Four Skin. Did you recognize that at all? It sounded like Hockey Night in Canada for the longest time. Then I thought it was that footage of uh, Paul Stanley giving the laser pointer guy shit. But uh, I remember that song very. I heard that. Now, Gavin McInnes, what can you tell the people about that particular track that we played, or portion of that track that we played? That was you and Anal Chinook. You and the Chinook. You and a punk rock band. Yeah, I was a singer of a punk, I guess, well, it was on the line between punk and hardcore, and it was, uh, you know, Chinook is an Inuit word for warm wind, so we were the farts. And uh, that song was about a doctor who told me I should be circumcised because I split my frenellum, which is a crucial part of one's foreskin. And uh, I decided to go against his stupid advice, and uh, it worked out. And so I was mad that someone had threatened a part of my body to try to genuinely mutilate me. Gavin McInnes of TV Carnage and Street Boners, how did you split your cock? Well, I couldn't, I was really drunk, and this is right when I was maybe 14, and that's when you don't really know how to drink. You just have a jar of jungle juice, as we used to call it in Ottawa, where it was vodka, gin, just, and you steal a little bit from every bottle. And then you just pound that whole jar, and you wouldn't have the top for the jar, it was just saran wrap and a rubber band. So you'd pound that jar, which is the equivalent of, say, a bottle of, of booze, like a, a 30 ounce bottle of booze. And, um,. You just get so annihilated, and you puke your guts out, and you'd be fine the next day. But this woman, Deanna Craig, was performing a hand job on me, and I kept going harder, harder, harder. I can't And the thing with a foreskin is, if you hold it too high, then on the downstroke, there's too much stress on it, and if you hold it too low, then there's not enough action going on. So she, I was, it's a tricky thing to 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 beat off a, a uncircumcised penis. So I had to tell her, I kept going high and high, and she was at the top. So when she came down the downstroke, it ripped. Like, take your T-shirt and just bite with your front teeth, bite the front of your shirt. That's the way a foreskin works. It doesn't go all the way around. It connects at one point. So she essentially pulled the T-shirt out from my teeth, and then blood just, you don't even know blood till you've seen a, an erection spout blood. That is one of the more horrific, most horrific interviews 
well, I should say, that's, this probably is one of the most horrific interviews you've ever done, but that particularly was one of the most particularly horrific injuries I've ever heard of there, Gavin. That's awful. Well, it's not like that was the end of it. Every time I'd have sex from then on, like I, I had sex with Kim Gustafson after that, and when I would push it in, blood would shoot out and spray my pubes like a shower head. And I thought, oh, she's, she's, you know, had a miscarriage or something, but we were kids. We were 16 at this point. Um, and nowadays and, people pay for something like that, don't they? You didn't realize how lucky you were. Well, I want to say to uncircumcised guys out there, if you get any kind of cut or a tear, don't freak out. Don't listen to the doctor. Just have a bath. Don't, don't have sex for a while. And just treat it carefully and it'll heal like anything else. And you get a lot of these uh, doctors from foreign, for, fresh off the boat doctors that are like, just cut it off. You don't need that. Chop it. But that's not true. We, we've had it for hundreds of thousands of years. We can keep it. Words of advice from Gavin McInnes from Street Boners and TV Carnage, who's going to be in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, tonight doing a slideshow at 8 p.m. at the Biltmore, but is phoning us right now from Dallas, Texas, live on the Nardwarty Human Survey Radio Show. Back to the song Foreskin, though, by Anal Chinook there, Gavin. That line you had, he sold his cock to punk rock. That's incredible. I googled that line, and that has never been used before. That is a great line. Well, you'd have to land that on Blake Jacobs, the guitarist, who I believe now plays in a band called Hot Piss with uh, some of the members of Furnace Face. He's also That's... in a band called Manpower, too. Yes, good call. Yeah. And in so your Blake's band, Anal Chinook, Blake was in Anal Chinook. He was in Hot Piss. He was in Manpower. You also had some interesting other people in your band. For instance, you had Aiden from Godspeed, you black emperor, was in Anal Chinook. He was indeed. He was the drummer. He was, he's got a really unique drumming style, really pounds the toms. You're worried they're going to rip. But uh, I don't talk to Aiden much anymore. I introduced a East Indian friend of mine as a packy once to him, and he threatened to kick my ass, and we haven't spoken since, and that was maybe 20 years ago. You've had quite a few debates about that sort of thing, haven't you, through the Gawker website? They love talking about that, don't they? I think it's a Scottish thing. Canadians are Scottish, and we just love pushing people's buttons. We like... We like a fight, or we like to tease someone, you know? If someone pees their pants, the last person you want to be around is a Canadian. Gavin, back to Anal Chinook again, back, back, back to Anal Chinook. John Knowles was in that band, too, and he went That's on to correct. Rocktopus and I, Mother Earth. So you were in a band with a guy from I, Mother Earth. Who would ever thought that Vice and I, Mother Earth started at the same time? You know what I can't cover about John Knowles? We had a song about beating off, and he said he didn't like that song. And I said, why? And he goes, because I don't like that. I go, what do you mean? He goes, masturbating. I think it's bullshit. I don't like it. I go, you're against the act? And he goes, yes. I go, you don't do it? Never. I never do, and I don't like that people do. He wasn't kidding. He's against wanking. Gavin McKinnon. Or at least he was when we were kids. What was the first punk rock gig that you went to? Whew, it was SNFU. Uh, it was probably 1984, and it was at One Step Beyond in Ottawa, and we'd never moshed before, and, and Paul Toddy, our friend, had blood all over his face, and we, it was like discovering Christ. It was a new, man, it was the beginning of my life, really. What did you look like back then? I heard that you got into anal Chinook because you had a nice friendly, or was it a scary mohawk? How come you got in that band? What did you look like? I was really punk. I was, I was so punk sometimes you'd think that I would be handing out balloons to kids. I had tartan bondage pants, I had green cone spikes, I had a crass, 
jacket covered in studs that said on the back, racism, ageism, sexism, why? <laughs> Around a crass symbol. Yeah, I don't think it was talent that got me an anal Chinook. I think they were... We were sort of suburban losers and not cool with the downtown punks. And maybe my uh, silly clothes made us be taken a tiny bit more seriously. Gavin McGuinness coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada tonight as part of the Oleo Festival to the Biltmore with the Street Boners and TV Carnage slide share. You're going to be showing lots of slides, doing lots of comedy, taking off your shirt, I'm sure. Believe it or not, you know who else is coming to Vancouver in the next couple of days? Melissa Oftemauer. She's coming to Vancouver. What's your connections to Melissa Oftemauer? We lived in a big building on St. Dominique in Montreal that I called the Grunge Estates because everyone in it was grunge. And uh, she was a 16-year-old kid who would DJ at the Biftec back when cassettes were around. This is the very early 90s. And uh, she would just put on a tape and then go- leave the bar and go hang out and watch TV while the 60 Minutes played. And we would, we would hang out with her and smoke pot and watch TV, and she'd always have to get up and switch the cassette over at the bar. Uh, she was cool back when she was that age. I still hang out with her a lot. She's kind of hippy-dippy and into astrology and stuff, but and she's, she's very sincere. I like her a lot. And she's coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada this Tuesday because at 3 p.m. at the John Fluvog store, the John Fluvog store, Melissa's doing a free in-store. Just thought I'd mention that. John Fluvog. Is it me or every time you hear the word John Fluvog, do you think of humorless lesbians? Actually, I think of Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, because it started here. That's why I think about it. Oh, okay. Gavin, you're very biased in your nationalism. Eh? You're, you're a fierce Vancouver nationalist. I love Canada. And Gavin McInnes, what about the gruesomes? You've got to give some props to the gruesomes from Montreal. I love the gruesomes. They were, I remember when they were playing, women were, it was like the Beatles. Women would go nuts for them. And I think that's kind of bad for someone that age. I remember Bobby was sort of drunk with, with pussy. And uh, I, you, you shouldn't get that late at that age. It just spoils you. It's like, it's like winning a million dollars when you're 20. I don't think they ever really recovered. But, yeah, they were one of the greatest bands in the history of Montreal. Because a lot of people think that a lot of the punk rock starts with the space shits, but the gruesomes, they started. Gruesomes, deja voodoo, at least in the 80s for the garage punk thing. The gruesomes, deja voodoo. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, sure the, I'm sure the spaceships and gruesomes are all linked to that sort of uh, 60s punk kind of thing. But there was serious punk rock way before either of those bands in Montreal. Uh, I guess I should be able to name one. Well, the Nils. And the Nils, but and I'm talking about warning. 80s. I think there was a band called Fair Warning. Yeah, what about Failsafe? Remember that band? I think Touch I did, I, me. Well, also, My Dog Popper, too. My Dog Popper, yeah. That's all 90s stuff, though. I feel like we should be coming up with better 80s punk bands. Well, let's go back to Anal Chinook for a second. I think it's okay. interesting. Your band was called Anal Chinook. You are again Gavin McInnes coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada for a slideshow tonight at the Biltmore at 7 p.m. at 7 to 10 p.m. at the Biltmore Doors at 7 p.m. Gavin, you are an Anal Chinook. There's a lot of anal stuff associated with you. Like, you were in a movie called Asshole, and I just mentioned the band The Space Shits. There's a lot of asshole-type stuff. There's a lot of sex associated with you, isn't there? You talk about your tongue having muscles. Too? Yeah, I guess rude comedy. Where, where else are you going to go? Pussies, buttholes, I mean, gay jokes. That's pretty much 
the venue of, of rude comedy. I mean, where would Judd Apatow be if he couldn't have bumholes and poo in his curriculum? Can you explain a bit more, Gavin McInnes, about what's going to happen tonight at the Biltmore? Because you have some big things ahead of you. And I don't just mean on the future, like what's going to happen. Tonight, you have to climb the mountain. It's Tom Green. You are up against Tom Green. It's Tom Green versus you, Mr. Gavin. It's, it's tense, but I think you've talked to any boxer who's done a lot of training. They just sort of see it as taking out the trash. So I will go there. I will not only cream Tom Green, but I'll be knocking John Candy, all of SCTV, kids in the hall. I'll be blowing them all out of the water with just unbelievable high-quality laughs. Like, just, there will be, there will not be a dry crotch in the entire venue, and that I 100% guarantee. And it's a multimedia presentation, too. There's pictures. There's pictures, too, to help with the gags, right? Yes, and we're going to kill a kid. There is an eight-year-old girl who has cancer who is at death's door, and we paid her family a hundred grand to stab her to death and pull her head off. So I'm nervous about that because I understand it's illegal, but we're, it's got to be done. You know, every show has to be bigger than the last one, so this is going to be our showstopper. Do you have Borat's phone number? Yes, I'm very close with Sasha. He, uh, I think I'm kind of his, his muse his inspiration and for enough beers I could get him to speak in Borat and uh, you know it makes him feel dirty inside but that's the kind of power I wield over people how about people phoning you for advice even more advice like what sort of people phone you out at a blue who has phoned you Gavin um who has phoned me well our PayPal when we'd order shirts used to go have my phone number listed for some reason so I'd be driving with my family and I'd get someone complaining about a t-shirt being late, and then they just want to shoot the shit for a while. But, um, yeah, the only people that really call me are huge, huge celebrities or moguls in the billionaire range. And I don't know why I'm sort of their Rasputin, but I talk to some of the biggest names in Zog, in the government, in the military-industrial complex, and I'll tell them, I've even told presidents not to go to war. I'll never get props for that, but... That's often what I do on these, I call them advice calls. And you are again Gavin McInnes phoning live to the Nerdware Human Serviette radio show from the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. Thank you so much for your time. And I'd like to ask you a couple more questions here. Gavin, how are you doing for time at the moment? I'm doing great. i got a half hour. In fact, our gate doesn't even say Vancouver yet. It still says Mexico. That's how early I am. But I would like to get some fries. Which you, you totally noticed, love, way, and you are the one that told me about peppers. You are the one that told me about peppers, and you've actually eaten a hot pepper, haven't you? I thought that's really neat. What can you tell the people about peppers? Because you said, before I interview the band the Stills, I must know about peppers. So you told me all about peppers. What can you tell the people about peppers and about eating the hottest pepper? Uh, peppers is a derogatory term for Quebecois. Back in the 60s, Pepsi was five cents cheaper than Coke. And the French, being poor and cheap, would always buy it. So they were known as Pepsis, and then that eventually became Peppers. Uh, you can get your ass kicked. In fact, my friend Adam did get hospitalized for calling a bunch of frogs Peppers. Uh, but as far as eating hot ones go, that was actually a prank, and it was a baby carrot that I painted red. And uh, then I hired a, didn't hire, but I bought a beer for a friend of mine who does horror makeup, and she's the one who made me look worse and worse and worse as I continue to digest this baby carrot. 
but that was acting. Gavin McInnes from streetbonersandtvcarnage.com. You have a book, several books, I think. Is your book sold at the airport you're at right now? Can we find out? Is your book for sale at the airport right now? Yes, it's in every airport. Uh, it's at Barnes & Noble. It, the airport was a tough contract to get. That was a high bid. You have to pay for these things. The publisher has to pay. But... Um, yeah, it's at the airport right now. I might actually have to buy a copy because we don't have any to sell at the show. The name of the website is Street Boners and TV Carnage. It made me think, who first used the word boner? Who said boner first? Who invented the word boner? I got sandwich for here. Um, my friend Judy's dog is named Boner. I love that you're ordering a sandwich while talking about a boner, but please go ahead. Who do you think first invented the word boner? Like, you got it for your website. You must know the history of the word boner. Yes, it was invented by a guy named Dr. Joseph Kellogg, who, like John Knowles, was anti-masturbation, but he, uh, he also um, pioneered the term. He, he was the same guy who ended up doing Kellogg's cornflakes, and he pioneered the word in 1846, and uh, it obviously is a great word because it just makes people laugh. And you are Gavin McInnes from StreetBonersAndTVCarnage.com. And Gavin, I went into the internet and went into this thing that I can find out which search terms were used. I found this through the internet. It's like a program that's widely available. And you can type in the website name and I can find out which search terms were used to get people to your website. Uh-huh. Do you know how people find your website? Uh, dog cum chick body. Not too far off. First off, street carnage. People type in street carnage, and they end off on street boners and TV carnage. But I notice here's another keyword that got them to your website. The Obama deception. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> Is there anything you did about Obama? Or me? Was there anything about Obama you did? Um, did a big thing saying to people that he's not the great messiah and not to vote and that he's just another politician and he's going to screw us over like they all do. But um, that wasn't particularly huge. I think the Obama deception is a, one of these nerdy, truther type of documentaries about the military-industrial complex and how they're controlling the universe and all this stupid teenage stuff. So... But, Here's another key word that got people to streetbonersandtvcarnage.com. Bristol Palin tits. <laughs> and another, yeah. another word that got people to streetbonersandtvcarnage.com. Pee on me tube. Tube? Tube. T-U-B-E. Like, you know, YouTube, pee on me tube. Oh, pee on me tube. Jesus Christ. Again, Gavin, this is Gavin we're speaking to. Gavin McInnes from Street Boners and TV Carnage. And Gavin is coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada tonight to the Biltmore to show his amazing slideshow at 7 p.m. at the Biltmore. And we have some free tickets to give away if you want to hang on while listening to this interview. So, Gavin, some more keywords that got people to your site. American Apparel tester, uncircumcised, locker room, Hermes, MySpace, Jennifer Aniston's baby, tricks to keep a boner, 
plus size face sitting, TV on the radio, biting off a cock and eating it, and lastly, used panties for sale. These are the keywords that got people to street boners and TV carnage. Now, knowing that those are the keywords that got people to your website, what sort of keywords do you think people get you to get them to your show? Like, what sort of people are showing up at your shows that you've been doing, your slideshows? I think it would be totally dissimilar from that. I think the thing that the kind of words I think I want to think of the show tonight is class, um, erudite, aristocratic, uh, and then I think of philosophers like Kierkegaard, um, even as far back as Aristotle. It's more of a salon. Well, mostly everyone there will have ascots on and be drinking this brandy and have pipes. And we just sort of get into these nuances of politics and history and philosophy that, I mean, I don't think there's going to be less than a seven-syllable vocabulary uh, going on tonight. There'll be no cock horses or pee-on-me tubes whatsoever. This is, Derek and I have totally changed as of today and me hearing that list. And it's going to be some really serious, heady material. Gavin McInnes, what does Lisa Suckdog look like now? The legendary Lisa Suckdog. I think you saw her in person a little while ago. Yeah, I've hung out with her a few times. She's aged very gracefully. She's very attractive. She has her hair kind of short, which bugs me. I don't know why women do that, why they want to look like young boys. But, you know, she's got a 14, 18-year-old. She's got teenage kids. And she looks like a very pretty 40-year-old. I'd love to bang her if I was single. What were you doing with her? You were at literary death? What was literary death? Literary death? Uh, if it wasn't literal death. That hasn't gone on for centuries. But literary death was uh, these journalists, I mean, these writers come out and they read from their latest work, and then judges, I was one of them, uh, berate this person and then choose a winner. And she was one of them. Oh, no, she was one of the contestants. That's it. Her, her piece was amazing. Gavin McInnes, do you remember the band Tad and their record Eight-Way Santa? T-A-D? Yes, Tad from Seattle. Yeah, I remember Peter Bag did a, their album cover, didn't he? He did an album cover, but they also had an album cover that was a picture that they found at a thrift store, and they ended up getting sued by the lady in the photo. Has that, oh, yeah. <clears throat> has that ever happened to you? How have you dealt with people that have ended up in the do's and the don'ts? Because you invented the do's and don'ts in Vice Magazine, didn't you, Gavin? That was you. You invented that. I did, and that, was, that predates Glamour Magazine, by the way. So you invented... They, they have a copyright on it. Who but does? they can't... Glamour. But they can't, they can't get Vice because Vice has prior use. Uh, no one else can do do's and don'ts ever again. Have you... But, found, uh, I was just curious, who has the copyright on Boner? I don't think you've ever seen me nude, but if you did, you would assume it was myself. Baboon. But, uh, so how... Can I, finish, can I answer the fucking question, please? Yes, go ahead, Gavin McInnes. Uh... If you're in a public place, there's a reasonable expectation of being photographed. So it's actually not illegal to photograph someone and put them in a book, as long as they're not in their own home. Um, now, if I say you're a drug addict or something and you get fired because they think you're a drug addict, you might have a case. But it's obviously in the context of joke, so you can't argue that, you know, it was taken seriously. So basically, it's not illegal what I do, though. Everyone assumes it is, and they go, I didn't give my permission to be photographed. And I go, well... That's life. You know, you knew 50 people were going to see you when you walked out of the house today. Now it's 50,000. 
What's your case? How have you dealt with people in past that have maybe complained and haven't sued, but just have complained? How have you dealt with those complainers? Uh, I just think it's funny. I, people take themselves so seriously. It's amazing. Like, I had one guy who was sitting on his bike, and I said, this looks like the kind of guy that can fuck the shit out of you or something really flattering. And he told me that he was pissed about that. And I go, pissed? What? It was a compliment. You were a do. And he goes, uh, I don't like it. I like to be in control of my own image. Here, well, I... you're not a brand loser. You're not a tube of toothpaste. You're not Crest. You're just a guy on a bike. Relax. A DJ at CITR Radio in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwarder Human Serviette Radio Show, and we're speaking to Gavin McInnes, who's coming to Vancouver to do a slideshow tonight at the Biltmore between 7 and 10 p.m., showing the do's and don'ts, showing some TV carnage. Derek's going to be phoning into the Nardwarder Human Serviette Radio Show to talk about the TV carnage that's going to come up tonight at the Biltmore as part of the Oleo Festival. Derek and... Gavin, and Gavin specifically. Gavin, I would like to ask you about a guy I know from CITR Radio, Tyler, Radio Zero. He ended up in the do's and don'ts, and how he ended up in it was he was partying with a guy called Igor, and Igor ended up giving the photo to Vice. Oh, wow. And So this, this would be since I left. I would have no hand in this. Do's and don'ts is now done by I don't know whom. I sold that. But what do you think about that? Were there a lot of photographers that worked for do's and don'ts that would take photos of their friends and then submit photos of their friends? So you had to wade through the photos to make sure that you weren't being set up, that this wasn't a joke or a setup or anything like that? To be honest, nerd, I, if I got a good joke out of it, I don't think I'd rock the boat by saying those aren't his real socks. It's really just, I don't want to go too far behind the curtain here, but it's really just a funny framework to stick jokes on. He actually got a really good do. It was something like, if there's an award for the Guy of the Year award, this guy should get it. And he was wearing like a Venom shirt and holding White Castle hamburgers. Do you remember writing that oh, one at all? Oh, I did write that one, yeah. Isn't he a black guy? No, he's white. Oh. Yeah, I think I remember that. I sort of bandied that around, Guy of the Year award and Best Friend award. You really got to juxtapose the negativity with some positivity, because just crapping on people gets depressing, and it's self-righteous. It's more inspiring to say... You know, what's with baby boomers and their pleats? And then in the same breath go, hey, it's 80 degrees. This guy is not rocking shorts. He's sticking strong and wearing, you know, his tartan pants. Power to him. That's more inspiring. Gavin, I first met you when you phoned me when you worked for Voice of Montreal. Voice of oh, Montreal. Yeah. That was a long time ago. The Voice of Montreal that turned into Vice. Vice now has a 100% pickup rate. Is that true? A 100% pickup rate? Well, it's a free magazine. What's it going to do? Sit there and rot? Well, a lot for of a mags month? do sit there and rot. Tons sit there and rot. Well, you got to be pretty bad to be a glossy magazine with pretty girls in it and just sit there and rot for a month. I don't know. What exactly does Vice own? Vice owns a pub? Does it own any land? What does Vice own? Vice owns, I mean, Vice is, is a huge media monster now. But yeah, we owned a pub. We own, Vice owns a pub in, uh, in England, not far from the, uh, in London, not far from the Vice office. There's Films, there's marketing companies, producing, pr production companies, chairs, neon signs, koozies. Um, Are there I think really there's an apartment above the pub? 
The National Post, which you were interviewed for, said that Vice has 560 employees in 30 countries? I'm afraid I can't vouch for any of that, buddy. I sold my shares, washed my hands. It's, it's, imagine I sold the bodega and Walmart took it over. It's none of my beeswax anymore. But, you know, I, those guys have a, a talent with, with business and all the power to them. They, I don't know what is true and what's not true, but, uh, you know, what is verifiable is very impressive. You know, you can go to Vice Scandinavia and you can see an office there with 50 people in it typing away. Gavin McInnes from Street Boners and TVCarnage.com coming to the Oleo Fest in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Got some free tickets to give away very shortly for you lucky callers, you two lucky callers. And we'll give you out the number shortly because it's a 100% pickup rate for Vice. But Gavin's not part of Vice anymore. He's part of Street Boners and TVCarnage.com. However... Gavin, back to Vice, just for one second. Who ripped off Vice? Who did you feel flattered that ripped off Vice? Because there must have been many mags that ripped off Vice. How did you see that you would change culture? Because you really changed it. You changed it. You're like the guy from the offspring, Noodles. You change it. God is keeping separated. <laughs> Whether you like it or not, they changed it. They did it independently and went to the top of the charts and they sold noise records. No other band had done that on independent label before. You did that with Vice. you got to be proud about that. Who ripped you off? Well, the do's and don'ts alone, I have a collection at home of all kinds of British magazines that have tried to do it, and uh, uh, websites, and the Maxim and Blender and The Face, they all tried to do do's and don'ts and failed. Um, and it's hard to argue what is, I mean, is any free magazine that's, that's in Canada that focuses on alternative youth culture, is that a vice ripoff? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't actually consider it a ripoff. It's more of, we started an industry, and I think what happened was, you had my total irreverent stupidity uh, with no holds barred, and then I hired this guy, Shane, the best salesman in the world, and he took things like the Vice Guide to Eating Pussy and got Nike to put an ad next to it. And I think what that showed people is you don't have to do advertorials all the time. You don't necessarily have to pander to the advertiser. If, if you, you know, if we did a nude fashion shoot where people were having sex in it and we still had, you know, some clothes on the floor and stuff, that lost us Toyota, and that was a hundred grand. But for that hit we took, we got you know uh, a lot more credibility and a lot more readership, and then that led to more ads down the line. So, if you, the, the key is to, to I think what Vice taught people. Now you're making me get all serious, but I think what Vice taught people is that you can do what you want and you can be who you are and not uh, and not compromise. You know, you read a lot of reviews in Rolling Stone and and spin and they just sound so safe and they get seven out of ten stars and it just seems so watered down and dull and i think people assume you have to do that to make money and i i hope what people learn from vice is that you don't necessarily have to water it down to make money you can still play the game a little bit but you can get away with some pretty raunchy stuff and still get well paid well, I see the influence of Vice everywhere, and the thing that I see more than anything is I love that Vice invented this. Like, you see a record review, and the name of the record reviewer at the end of the record review is all in capitals. I love that. Or at the end of an article is all in capitals. Who invented that? Did you guys invent that, making the name of the reviewer all in capitals at the end? I love that. Well, I, I used to think I invented the idea of adding all caps in the middle of sentences, too. And, and exclamation marks and that kind of writing, like we had no idea where they were. But uh, I was just in, in Scotland, 
And all the tabloids there do that. They throw all caps in the middle of a, of a sentence to show emphasis. I think it goes back to Scottish culture, which is where I'm from, but that really goes to booze culture. When you were in Scotland... When you were in Scotland, did you buy a tartan hat? Because I've seen you wearing a tartan hat with Bob Odenkirk. Where did you get your tartan hat? I'm glad you asked that, Nardmore, because that was one of the things I was determined to impart on this interview. Uh, it bugs me when people say, whenever I wear that hat, people go, oh, you got a Nardmore hat on. You've, you've owned that hat now. It's considered a Nardmore hat. But that is the Glaswegian tam that has been worn for centuries over there. And it's actually very hard to find a good one these days. They usually have the novelty ones with the fake orange hair coming out of the sides. But there is one place, and I bought two when I was last there, uh, the Glaswegian Airport, the gift shop. If you know anyone going to Glasgow, make them buy you five of those. They're the best quality. They're the nice sort of blue on the sides. I don't know where you get yours, but even on the Internet, it's hard to find a good one. Anyway, I buy in bulk there. Every time I'm in Glasgow, I buy at least two. Have you ever been offered your own clothing line at all? You're always doing all this fashion stuff. You've been offered your own clothing line by anybody, Gavin McInnes of StreetBonersAndTVCarnage.com? You know, when, uh, when Vice exploded and the internet boom was going on, we did a clothing line very briefly that uh, was terrible. But uh, no, I have never been offered a clothing line. It's a, sh it's a crappy business. You've got to shell out hundreds of thousands of dollars and then whine to retailers to get your money back. How about from the fashion industry? What do you think about all these young fashion bloggers, these super young fashion bloggers like the Style Rookie? I'm asking you because I feel you can comment on that because you do do's and don'ts or street boat, you know, like you know about fashion. What do you think about these super young people like the Style Rookie? Sounds great. It makes me horny, all these young girls trying to look attractive and get a mate peacocking around. That's why we're here, right? Who are Cerebral Ballsy? Cerebral Ballsy are a hardcore band from uh, East New York, which is in Brooklyn, and it's a really dangerous part of town. Giuliani is credited with stopping crime in New York, but he just really moved it east. And they live there, these kids, and they fight every day and come from broken homes, and they, they play amazing hardcore. I love They're one of my favorite bands right now. They played my birthday party. Gavin McInnes, happy birthday, and also, thank you for the great crass interview. You had an interview with G. Voucher, and then you did an exploited joke with her. Yeah, I was just at Dial House a few weeks ago. Uh, they're very likable people. Penny Rimbaud has been a bit sick. Um, he might have cancer in his hand, and they had a huge inner fight where the bassist, Pete Wright, said they couldn't release Feeding of the 5,000 because, get this, Crass is a lie. We didn't really get along very well. And I was screaming at him, how, I, I, as a fan, I don't give a shit if the band gets along well. Who cares? You weren't called the Get Along Gang. I mean, people liked the Sex Pistols because they said they all hated each other. That was part of the whole mystique. So I think he was just doing it for attention anyway. That almost shut them down. And uh, they managed to get the release out. And then they find out Colin from Conflict had been stealing their publishing for the past five years. So Crass, the band, have been through... They're not a band anymore and haven't been since 1984, but the past year has been pretty hectic. It's been just like it was back in the early 80s. I really enjoyed that interview that they did with Vice magazine. I got the issue of the new Vice, and it had a big crassing. That was pretty good. It's too bad you left. Did you start that? Whose idea was it for that big issue? Uh, I have nothing to do with that. I've just always... I have a Crass tattoo. I've always been a big fan of them. I actually... 
I'm going to be putting out a video interview I did with Penny about this this friend of his who was uh, an eccentric. Phil Free was his name. Was an eccentric guy whose dad just died. Kind of a rich kid, and they were having a fun little festival. And he. This is back when hippies were just starting. And uh, Penny's contention is that the the feds murdered this guy, put, had him uh, institutionalized, then they lobotomized him and killed him. I think it's what he's, his story is about eighty percent true. I think he's pretty eccentric, Penny. But uh, that sort of went, made Penny go from a fun little art school kid to a seething mad punk rocker, and it begot Crass, and it brought G back from New York. She was doing freelance illustrations at the time. And, and you could argue Crass sort of begot the whole anarcho-punk movement. So I think this one strange abuse of police power back in 1975 started anarcho-punk and the sort of modern anarchist movement. I mean, I don't know if without Phil Free's assassination, if you'd have this kind of riots you had in Toronto and, and previously in Vancouver. Gavin McInnes, winding up here with Gavin McInnes. And if anybody would like any free tickets to go see Gavin McInnes tonight, do a slideshow. You're doing a slideshow tonight, aren't you, Gavin? Right, Gavin? That is, that is correct. At the Biltmore, it's 604-822-2487. That's 604-UBC-CITR. We have two free tickets to give away to the first two callers in to answer which skill testing question. What did they answer, Gavin? Ooh, um... Uh, who said, this is a TV carnage question, who said the words, uh, I didn't start doing it and getting good at it, if you will. Okay, that's the quote. Who said that? And the clue is they were discussing having sex, and they are a celebrity. It's on a very famous TV Carnage clip. And you can check it on the website, streetbonersandtvcarnage.com. And winding up here, lastly, we're speaking to Gavin, who's at the airport in Dallas, heading to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Right now, you can hear it in the background. Gavin, are you still there? I'm still here. Gavin, it's me, Nardwar, the Human Serviette, saying thank you for inspiring me because you inspired me during interviews because you like the tension. You like the tension of the interviews, don't you? You always told me, I want tension. I want tension. I think it keeps it interesting to say controversial stuff that's not too, uh, what's the word, uh, ass-kissy, obsequious. Um, but the thing I like about your interviews isn't necessarily the tension, though that's fun, like when Jello drew on your face and stuff. I like... Uh, I like your research. Like when you said to Ian Mackay, you made him admit that DOA invented the word hardcore. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so glad that you enjoyed that interview. That was one of my favorites. I also really love the stuff you do, Gavin, because you're able to get a hold of these people. And I think the ultimate coup that you got that I can think of, the best thing you've ever done, you located Osama bin Laden's niece. Tell the people about that lastly. Osama <laughs> bin Laden's niece? She is... She's very, very attractive. In fact, now when I see Osama bin Laden, I kind of want to fuck his mouth. He's got those big, beautiful pussy lips below his nose. But yeah, she's got that Middle Eastern face with this sort of arrowy nose and the insanely huge lips. She's a lot shorter than you'd think. Big, long, black tresses. Um, and she she uh, escaped under his his her father's evil rule. I mean, the whole family is dark, Middle Eastern, horrible people. And she uh, escaped to Switzerland, and now she wants to be taken seriously and have a music career. 
But I think, like a lot of pretty girls, she's just incredibly naive and doesn't get that New York is not exactly uh, standing with open arms waiting for Bin Laden's niece to rock them out. How did you find her? Because I remember after 9-11 happened, some guy phoned me and said, I have Osama Bin Laden's cell phone number. Do you want to phone it, Nardwar? And I was afraid to phone that cell phone number. I think it was like on the internet. It was an old number. But I was afraid to phone it. I was really scared. How did you get a hold of Osama Bin Laden's niece? Or how did she contact you? I just talked. This, this works with all hot chicks. You just talk about their art and pretend that they're not hot or famous in her case. And I just focused on her music and said, we do this radio show. We'd love to have you talk about your music, your music, and hear about your music, and check out your MySpace page with your music. And uh, I think she saw it as a good opportunity to, to push her dance music. Uh, but I don't know where she is now. Is she still doing that? She can't be. She probably got a man. She probably got, has a rich, fat Swiss guy who's taking care of her, and she gave up on the dance music. Coming up right now, we're going to have some music, if we can fit it in. What can you tell the people about the books, tennis, Harlem, and Cuddy Ranks? We're going to try to jam those in. Harlem are a great band. I forget where they're from. They're not from Harlem. I think they're from San Diego or something. I think Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas, great. Very uh, cute surf punk band, a lot of fun. They have a great song called Shake, 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 Shake. You can just tell that they love making music. They're not... It, it sounds like it makes you want to join a band when you hear them. Uh, tennis, I don't know much about. I just heard that new track a few days ago. You probably know more than, about them than me, you music nerd. But I, I like that they're doing 50s, 60s music in a non-kitschy, non-Amy at Winehouse kind of way. They're doing it in a, a new way, and it sounds like it's totally updated as opposed to retro. And Cuddy Ranks, that's Diplo with Santi Gold, though she's not on that particular track. He did a mashup sort of an album with her, and he brought in Cuddy Ranks and uh, Doo 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 Six Pack from uh, from Black Flag, and uh, it just sound, they work so well together. I think Cuddy Ranks, he's he's kind of a punk. He he works with a lot of hardcore shows. He, a friend of mine actually did a did a hardcore show with him in Florida back in the '80s, where he flew all the way down from Jamaica for it. He's kind of a badass. And also the books, too. The Street Boners book? You said the books, A Cold Freezing Oh, sorry, night. the books. Yeah, that's a crazy song where I guess the guy sampled his kid going off at a tangent. And every time people try to do that, it's corny. People like their kids too much. But they pulled it off. It's amazing. And it, it'll stick in your head, too. You'll go, why am I listening to this mess? And then, you know, two days later, you're going to be going, wild and crazy night! Cold freezing night. Well, thanks so much for phoning into the Nardwarda Human Serviette Radio Show. Gavin McInnes playing tonight at the Biltmore in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Early show starts at 8, ends at 10 p.m. It's the Street Boners and TV Carnage slideshow. Well, slow down. I'm, not, I'm now not getting in until 9 p.m., so it's probably going to go a little later. Oh, okay, breaking news. But you will be there. You will be there. Gavin will be there with audio visuals. It's worth the wait. We've waited all these years to see Gavin in person at the Biltmore, and you're going to be there for sure. And again, if anybody wants to win some free tickets, 604-822-247-UBC-CITR. We don't have any winners quite yet. Anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Gavin? Um, yeah. I want to say... That if you are really, really wasted and you're going to bed and you don't feel like you need to pee, 
Just sit on the bowl. I don't care if you have three drops. Just pull out your dink or your vagina and just get the last few drops out because you'll be surprised how much pee comes out and it'll help you prevent wetting the bed. Well, thanks so much, Gavin McInnes. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. Happy birthday, Jason. Wow, thanks, Dad. <laughs>
you're still listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, and the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Plus Perfect with House on Fire and Plus Perfect are playing tonight at the Princeton Pub at 9.30 p.m. Tonight at the Princeton Pub, Plus Perfect. You just heard a little bit there of House on on fire. And before that, the books, a personal selection from Gavin McInnes with the song A Cold Freezing Night. And Gavin and the TV Carnage and Street Boners slideshow will be happening tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada as part of the Oleo Festival at the Biltmore. Thanks to all the people that phone in in to the Nordwater Human Serviette Radio Show and won tickets. The gig starts at 8 and ends at 10. It's an early show, and if you didn't win tickets, it's $12 at the door. Also tonight in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, tons of Oleo Fest stuff happening. The Styrofoam ones are playing with the Humans and Times New Roman at the New Cobalt. It all starts at 11 p.m. Humans, 12 a.m. Times New Roman, and 1 a.m. The Styrofoam ones. And Tomorrow at the Railway Club at 1 a.m., we have the band Boats from Winnipeg playing, and they're also on Sunday doing a free in-store at Neptune Records at 2.30 p.m. Now, joining us on the right line right now, we have a caller. Hello, caller, are you there? Ha- Hello, caller, are you? Hello, caller, are you there? Can you hear me? I can indeed. Can you hear me? Oh, I hear you, and I can feel Vancouver radiating from over the border while I call from Seattle, Washington. Well, let's just start off here. Who are you? My name is Melissa Oftermauer. I'm from Montreal, Quebec, and I joined a band called Hole, and I played in Smashing Pumpkins, and I made a solo record, and then I come to British Columbia for the first time in many, many years this weekend in promotion of my new solo album project, Out of Our Minds, my first multimedia fantasy, fantastical music film, Extreme. I love that you're singing interviews now, Melissa. This is really <laughs> exciting. I only do it for you. I've never done it before. <laughs> and you're coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, as you mentioned, to play some free gigs or a free gig. What can you tell the people about that? On Tuesday, September the 28th, this coming Tuesday at 3 p.m. at John Fluvog. Yes, well, there's all kinds of great little happenings that happen. First, I was invited to play Rifflandia Festival in Victoria. So tomorrow I'm playing Victoria, Canada for the first time in my entire life. This is exciting. And then because I was in the, in the hood, I thought, well, is there any way I could come to Vancouver to share my work there? I called the Cinematheque, the Pacific Cinematheque. Your fancy movie theater there has, is going to host a screening of Out of Our Minds, my fantasy film project. And then, all in the same week, someone tweeted, did you know there's an Oftermower boot come out, came out this season from Fluvog? And I said no, and someone sent me a link, and there was this boot named after me from your Vancouver boot people. And then I sent an email to the Vancouver boot people and said, hi, it's Melissa. Wow, thanks for honoring me in footwear. And then they had the idea of having me play at their new design center in Gastown, so I'm going to be doing a very rare stripped-down uh, boot-wearing performance at 3 p.m. on Tuesday at Fluvog. Uh, I have a bass in tow, and then I'm inviting my friend Ryan 
uh, of Limlifter, et cetera, to accompany me on um, some songs. So I'm just winging it. I just figure I'd play some music before I show the film that night at 7 o'clock at the Cinematheque. So, Melissa, off the is that the first thing you've had named after you, a boot, like a Fluvog boot? They just did that? They didn't ask for permission? They just went for it? They went for it. They, they, I guess they were, you know, I guess uh, they do that. They choose a muse and give honor and boot. They, uh, I, they don't need my permission to do it, but I think that might be the first, yeah, item named after me that I've experienced, yes. And callers out there in Radioland, you don't need permission to dial 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. If you have any questions for Melissa Oftemauer, who is playing again this Tuesday, 3 p.m., for free at John Fluvog. Now, Melissa, I got to say, Danzig is back. You brought Danzig back. You got <laughs> him back. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Isn't the timing fantastic that I, yeah. Uh, anyhow, you know I love Danzig, and if you ask me to request a song once we get off the phone, it's going to be any Danzig song. But um, well, it's, great yeah, that you, it's great that you did it, Melissa, because he's done stuff for Johnny Cash. He's done it for Roy Orbison, and he's done it for Melissa Oftemauer. Like, you've brought Danzig back. He was kind of away for a while, but now you have kind of brought him back. How did that, How did you do that? It's not easy. Come on, that is not easy, is it? And no, especially because the world tells you that Danzig is a mysterious, dark, and unpenetrable force that you will never have as a guest on your album. So my entire life I thought, oh, I'll definitely never get to meet the Dark Lord. Oh, I'll definitely never make a song with him. But then during the making of this album, my new album, I decided that I was going to write a song for Danzig and that, uh, you know, if there was ever an opportunity that I might meet him, I would like to give him a song. Just like Fluvog wrote a boot for me, I wrote a, a, a song uh, about a grave digger with healing powers and this duet uh, describes this conversation between a grave digger and a woman who's lost her father, and they walk through the cemetery. And uh, there's a strange healing power when she finds the, you know, the, the dirt hole that Danzig put her father six feet under. And uh, I wrote this song for him. I've never done that for anyone. I've never written a six-minute funeral dirge blues ballad in my life either, but I did for him. And I sent it to his P.O. box, the demo tape, having me singing his parts and my parts and a two-page letter explaining the impact he's made on my life as a music person, the role model that he is. It gave me some confidence as a, as a shy teen to maybe be a little bit more warrior-like. And uh, everyone told me, no way, he'll never do it. He's never sung on anyone's record. And uh, I got a telephone call from him six months later from a private number, Melissa, it's Danzig, I like your song. And that was it. And there was no managers and no, you know, no logistical money, crappy lawyers, just a song, a woman and a grave digger. And we made, the, I went to L.A. and recorded the song with him, and it's a true honor and pleasure. And I'm preparing the, uh, the fantasy video shoot for that right now as we speak. There's, being, there's a, a Scandinavian church graveyard being hand-built by my film collaborator, Tony Stone, as we speak. It gives hope to all of us, Melissa, of what you did. So you just wrote to a P.O. box and nobody told him that a letter was coming. It was just a random P.O. box on the back of a record that you wrote to. Yeah. 
You did it the old-fashioned fan way, and it got through to Danzig. Yeah, because he, he is, uh, above all else, I believe what's cool about him is, he, actually, one of the things very important to tell, because, you know, Danzig has a mysterious reputation, and some people say he's a jerk or something. That guy was more generous and more straight up with me and less, like, like more punk than anyone I've ever worked with, in fact. And he's very independent, does it all himself, and really does register with his fans. I mean, it's a very simple, he comes from true punk rock roots where it's all DIY, and he continues to be that. And it gives me hope. gives, like, I was so blown away by his down-to-earthness. Now, the mention of your father, Mr. Mm-hmm. Oftemauer, makes mm-hmm. me think about the sad passing of your dad and his wake. Is it true that you had the Fez Tones play there, the Gruesome's offshoot band? <laughs> oh, my God. Can you believe that um, it was uh, my father's request to have local ska bands, basically. My father didn't believe that any good music was made past 1920 or 30, and then one day he walked into, like, a divey club, and he saw, like, a bunch of ska retro bands that had horns and things, and he said, oh, I like this era. So he kind of liked these old-fashioned people. So there was this crew of uh, Montrealers that uh, that played his wake because he recommend, requested these, like, retro bands to play that he had seen at a bar late one night. And I always mention the gruesomes to you, and I have some more gruesome information for you indirectly via Gavin McInnes from <laughs> Street Boners and TV Carnage. Oh, I he, know Gavin, yeah. He was saying that he actually lived with you at the Grunge Estates. <laughs> and can you believe I'm calling you from the Grunge Estate of Seattle, Washington, and I haven't been here in so many years, and it's... Oh, boy. Uh, Yeah, it's all grunge all over again, I must say. And, yes, Gavin and I lived a chapter. I mean, I think I was the founder of the Grunge Estates, I must say, and Gavin at one point in the chapter lived there, but it was this crazy apartment complex across the street from the legendary Biff Tech Saint Laurent that I was a DJ at from the age of 17 until the day I uh, uh, joined Hole. And uh, Derek Beckles, who I hope calls through, he's the one that got me my DJ job because he and I were at art school together. He was studying film, I was studying photography, and Derek got me my first uh, DJ gig, and Gavin was my neighbor. And it all comes back to grunge and Montreal. Well, Melissa, Gavin said that your DJing consisted of you walking into the DJ booth, putting on (laughs) a cassette, then going over to a bar and having a drink and watching a cassette play while you were out of the DJ booth yeah on auto reverse and then i learned this amazing trick where you could make mixtapes from all my vinyl so i had like a somehow an out from my record player into my tape deck and i just make millions of mixtapes like everyone would and i just let them play on auto reverse and it was a double tape deck so it would be and if i if i was really smart i'd get a 120 minute tape (laughs) and i'd have two playing over the course of a night i played a lot of pool and the Biftech makes me think of where the Gruesome started, Station 10. You were a Gruesome's groupie. I love bringing this I up. Was. Every time I talk to you, Melissa, i got to mention this. The Gruesome's. You were a Gruesome's. I know. I, don't know I, if you were, well, I don't know if I should say groupie, but you were a big fan, weren't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, remember, basically like pre-pubescent, so you can't even call me a groupie because I was like basically a child. That, that was my first 
scene that I discovered in music was the whole um, garage that crossed over a lot with the kinds of mods and rockers, skinhead, ska land in Montreal. As we all know, as Canadians, Montreal's got a really enthusiastic scene of that. And the Gruesomes were the coolest thing I'd ever seen. There was no doubt. Like, the style, the song, the songs, the energy. And I was going to all of those shows, yes. And I believe my band Tinker played at Station 10 long after its heyday, but I remember thinking it was kind of cool because the Gruesomes had played there. And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show, and we're speaking live here to Melissa Oftemeyer, who you can speak to, too, 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR, if you want to ask Melissa a question, and you can ask questions of Melissa in person on Tuesday, the 28th, coming up at 7 p.m., she's doing a screening of her new movie at the Pacific Cinematique. And earlier on in the day, Melissa's doing a free in-store at Fluvog at 3 p.m. And it's the Fluvog at 65 Water Street in Gastown. And we have a caller right now. Hello, caller. Are you there? Radio. Go ahead to Melissa Oftemauer, caller. Oh, welcome to my castle, 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 Well, thank you very much, Call. You know, it's funny, Melissa, that that caller should phone in because it made me think. He was singing Walk My Castle, which is a song by The Evaporators. And The Evaporators, my rock and roll combo, did actually play with you because I always bring this up. I guess that caller was kind of psychic. When you were in Tinker, we played at, I think it was Le Petit Campus, some gig there, with the rock and roll band Cubs. So I guess that caller was bringing it back that I had to mention the Tinker connection. But I did last see you at South by Southwest, you were doing a signing session at South by Southwest. What were you doing there, Melissa? It was a signing session, like you were signing. That is funny. That's the last time we saw each other, right, in the convention center. Uh, yeah, I was signing the comic book and the picture book, the picture disc vinyl of Out of Our Minds, because uh, the, uh, the film I'm showing on Tuesday also has other tentacles, which is a rock album and a little comic book that mirrors the film and picture disc vinyl and all those things. And um, that is what I was doing. I guess the Barnes & Noble's booth asked me if I would sign goods and I did. Well I love the way how you always have time for the fans including me because as I was walking by you said hey Nardwar I said hey Melissa how the hell are you and I said I'm heading right now to introduce Voivod and you're like oh my god you're going to introduce Voivod I said what should I say what should I say and you told me to say to the crowd assemble because I was going to introduce Voivod at a day party for Brooklyn Vegan call them the magic robots of Montreal thank you now why magic robots I think it was magic robots what did you make me say about Voivod? Well, they, I mean, all of this is all, so, yeah, okay, Montreal is, was the best bands that I felt like came out of Montreal in the uh, late 80s, early 90s were the French Canadians, because they were really uber progressive. They loved Rush and Metal, and Voivod are the coolest, magical, uh, robot-worshipping late 80s, early, they were so ahead of the curb as far as, like, sci-fi metal, uh, and, like, you know, underground, oh my God, they're just, you know, they are, they are a national Canadian treasure just like you are. 
I loved it. Magic Robots of Montreal. You gave me that intro. And in the year previously at South by Southwest, I saw you as well, Melissa Oftemauer. And you told me when I interviewed Janelle Monet to bring up horses. You told me to ask her about horses. And it was a great <laughs> question. What's the horse thing? Like, you're really into horses. Well, it's the closest, um, you know, magic, uh, again, magic beast that we can ride. You know, we can't ride like a whale or a shark or a tiger or a lion, but we can horses because horses have a deep, profound respect for us, and we have a long, sorted relationship with horses that we could have not have conquered, for better or for worse, this land without horses. And we, so, you know, I, I just, I have much respect, and I discovered, uh, Magic, psychedelics, and rock music at horseback riding camp at 13 years old. That was my big turning point. Melissa Oftemar coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, this Tuesday, 3 p.m. at Fluvog for a free, a free in-store, and then 7 p.m. at the Pacific Cinematique for a Q&A, a screening of your movie, your movie called Out of Our Minds. Anybody's any questions for Melissa? 604-822-247-604-UBCCATR. Lastly, at South by Southwest, I bumped into Lori Barbero from Babes in Toyland. Did you see Lori? Did I? Yes. Yeah. That was incredible. She's everywhere, isn't she? Lori Barbero, Babes in Toyland. Did you ever play with Babes in Toyland at all? No, but you know that the first dream I had that was sort of this premonition that I was going to join Hole, and while I was a DJ at the Biff Tech, I used to play Babes in Toyland. I saw Hole, Babes in Toyland play, and I had this dream that was pushed on stage and playing bass in Babes in Toyland, and I yelled, I don't know the songs. I don't know. It was one of those, like, like trauma of dreams of being put out on stage without knowing what to do and I guess my dream just had it wrong and I was going to join Hole but I had a very early psychic premonition about playing with one of those bands because Kat used to play with um with Courtney right they had a, like a band first so there we go I never played with Lori except for once in a dream Melissa Oftemauer, you invited Chris Novoselic to your screening of your movie. Do you think he'll come? Via Twitter. <laughs> I can't believe you know that. You are crazy. Listen, the crazy thing is that before I was speaking to you, I was just at this incredible experience music project place, you know, which is where I'm showing the film tonight in Seattle. And they're doing an oral history of, uh, like, grunge and all music. They've been doing it for years. But they're having a big uh, Nirvana uh, 20th anniversary exhibit that opens next next um, year for the 20th Nevermind anniversary. And I just, for three hours, just spoke about everything 90, the last 15 mu years of music um, at large and in my life to this Experience Music Project. And the funny thing is, is that I guess Chris is a big part of this Nirvana exhibit, so it just so happens I, I tweeted, hey, Chris, I'm coming, and he wrote back, like, I know the Experience Music Project told me because Nirvana and all of this all connected, and they have a science fiction museum there, so I can't think of a better place to be right now. But uh, I don't think Chris is coming because he's speaking He's speaking at a university today, cause he, and he's going back to school to study law. And you know the world will be a better place if Chris Novoselic is at large fighting for the people's rights. Melissa Oftemauer, your movie, Fighting for the People's Rights, or, quote, Out of Our Minds, isn't solar-powered? An indie blog said it was a solar-powered movie. What can you tell the people at your movie, Out of Our Minds? Is it solar-powered? It's HD, fueled by the sun. Absolutely shot and edited entirely on solar power. We shot off the grid in northern, in southern Vermont, 
spent many, many months living in this uh, cabin off the grid with just an outhouse and some solar panels, and uh, and that's how we charged the batteries, and we made a film on solar power. It was phenomenal, and it, the return back to the land inspired me to, I wish there was, you know, I think there should be a bigger green art and film movement going on right now. Who's the cool car in the movie? Who's the cool car? I love the cool car. Yeah, the cool car. That car's name is Billy, actually. It's an old, it's a Viking, uh, a 1952 solid state, state body Viking Chevy truck uh, that was at one point owned by a man named Billy, who ran some sort of New Jersey machine company, and he named his sweet vehicle, Carol Ann, which uh, after deciding that this truck would be the, one of the main characters in the film, and it's also the, uh, the truck that gets into a head-on collision with my character's um, other car, and the, basically the Chevy Viking truck is the, the magic time travel portal that brings me into the other dimensions and where I visit witches and bleeding forests. Were any trees cut down in the making of this movie? Yes! Uh, they were, and they have all been reused to build the extension of that cabin that is our outhouse cabin in southern Vermont. And uh, all of the trees were recycled and reused and uh, very consciously and respectfully cut down. And if anybody would like to see your movie, Out of Our Minds, it's this Tuesday, and you are Melissa Ofta... Mauer. Uh, Mauer. This Tuesday, September the 28th, at the Pacific Cinematique for a question and answer with you, Melissa. You're doing a question and answer. Are you doing that quite a bit? I am. It's been great. I mean, I, you know, of course I love the bass and the live music, but in making this film, what's been great is I've been able to go to lots of different um, environments like film festivals, science fiction conventions, comic book conventions, and have a whole, totally different kind of rapport with a different type of uh, community you know in film festivals there's a lot more q a talking sort of uh analyzing the the content and it's been great to be able to uh you know my you know the reason why i make music is i want to connect with people i believe in you know in the same way that you look what you do you know interviewing people and collecting all of the the stories of music and what makes people tick is that's why, you know, I love to commune with other humans, and to ex making this film has allowed me to expand in my collaboration with filmmakers and other types of artists, but also has allowed me to go to places where I couldn't go with, with my music. So, you know, m meeting the people at the Cinematheque and talking to people who otherwise might not go to a midnight late rock show, I can still meet them but talk about something else. So, humans, please check out Melissa Oftemar live <laughs> at Fluvog this Tuesday, 3 p.m., 65 Water Street, free, free at the Fluvog, and then later on in the evening, the Pacific Cinematique, 7 p.m. for a screening and question and answer. And lastly, just kind of about the movie. There was a movie that's been reissued that Jello Biafra was in called The Widower, and Marcus, who made the movie, said the tagline was, Natural Born Killers Meets on Golden Pond. That's the tagline. What's the tagline for your movie, Out of Our Minds, if people are wondering about it, Melissa? Is there a tagline? Uh, that's a very good question. Uh, hold on, actually. I am going to give you one that, uh, that someone else came up with that I think is really... Hold on. Oh, I think it was this guy, this really cool film blog guy. Hold on, this is a... Fill, in, fill the air while I uh, do something here. Well, 
We're speaking here to Melissa Oftemauer, phoning live from Seattle, Washington. Melissa is coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, to Fluvog for a free in-store on Tuesday at 3 p.m. and also at 7 p.m. to the Pacific Cinematique to show her movie Out of Her Minds. Melissa Oftemauer has played in many a rock and roll band and is also a noted photographer. Don't I sound like one of those, like, over... Speaking, guys, like when you go up to win an award, what awards have you won, Melissa? Have you won awards? Like, have you been walking to the stage and then a commentator has been talking about you walking up to the stage to win an award? Have you done that at no, all? No, no. I only ever won Bass Player of the Year Gibson Guitar Awards 99 and 2000. I've not won an award since. But here's the tagline by another man from IFC.com. If David Lynch had a 30-minute musical dream interpretation of the cult flick, Highlander. So it's a David Lynch meets Highlander. Baboom. That's pretty damn good. Actually, <laughs> speaking of Jello Biafra, what sort of legends have you met? Did you ever meet Morrissey? Have you met Morrissey? Can you believe he's my, you know, the legend, like Morrissey and Danzig are my two number one iconic soulmate and inspiration. You know, they're, they're the ones that at 16 gave me the real the real boost of confidence to try to find my voice. And I have never met Morrissey. Um, no, I haven't. But I What's did the... meet Jello Biafra just this year really? for the first time Whereabouts? in Toronto, Canada. It was a phenomenal. I was hanging out with some of the, 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 the team of Broken Social Scene and Fucked Up, who are both bands that I had met at the, this recent South by Southwest where I saw you last. And I somehow walked into a bar, and it was them and Jello Biafra, and it was an incredible moment of uh, action-packed music beer. What was Rufus Wainwright like as a kid? Did he go to Tinker gigs? <laughs> no, we, we mingled in different scenes, and at that point, I think he was still like off at a prep school at that point when I was like grunging about. But um, it's funny you ask about him, because he is a, a, a true... Um, I mean, yeah, he is one of my soulmates, and I don't know if you know, you know, my father died, and his mother, who was a big, big, important woman in, um, in, his, in his life, obviously, but in Montreal, um, she passed away this year, and he and I have, uh, have reconnected very deeply based on, on that, because our, our parents knew each other, and they were both, the, yeah, I, I mean, I love Rufus, but he is not grunge, he is opera. I know, I was really sorry to hear that. That's really, really sad. Such great mm -hmm. Canadian music came out of mm -hmm. Montreal and still comes out of Montreal. Like, I your know. friends, the Stills, they are still going, and they were really rocking with the Kings of Leon. The Kings of Leon love the Stills, don't they? I know, but I, I can't say I love the Kings of Leon, and I don't like to, to, to disrespect anyone, but I don't like them, although I had a really weird dream the other night that I was forced to like them. <laughs> Melissa Oftemore, lastly here at South by Southwest, I tried to get a hold of Courtney Love but was not able to. Were you able to get a hold of Courtney Love at all? Because she was performing at South by Southwest. I know. Well, you know what's so strange is that we were very close and very, you know, I think we were even playing practically at the same time one of those nights or days. And um, very oddly, we were not in touch that weekend. It wasn't, I think it might have been a little too bizarre for me to go see Hole at that moment uh so i didn't actively reach out to her although we have been sort of indirectly directly in touch a little you know quite a lot this year c considering i wasn't in touch with her for almost 10 years but what's really funny is that i was in a hotel lobby at south by southwest waiting for someone else 
looking down on my phone doing a text or something, and then my friends walked up to me with the, that I was waiting for, and they looked at me with this crazy look, and I said, what? And they said, Courtney Love just walked by. We walked by each other, and neither of us noticed. Do you think there might be a reunion with you playing bass at all, Melissa? I don't know. I mean, we definitely did talk about it this year, and, I, and she wanted to go one direction as far as not the full original lineup and not and the new record versus what I really think it's important that Hole has a retrospective of all of the work from the past and that is what I was clear with Courtney that if she ever wants to review the past that I'm interested in because I think it's very important and worth celebrating and it would be really nice to have a, a cohesive retrospective of all the work because I really as a as a member of the band and as a fan of women's historical markings on music and music history. I think it's important that we um, do a proper uh, revision of the archives. There's phenomenal performances and, and outtakes and obviously all the records that were made by Hole and, the, and it was just so much stuff, but she didn't, she, uh, she doesn't want to look at the past and she wants to, you know, look at the, the future and the new record and that's not where I was at with it, so we'll see. Depends, uh, you know, depends on her relationship with the past and future. Well, how about your friends? Your friends from Virgin Mary's in Vancouver and Nerdy Girl. How are they doing? <laughs> My friends are great. I've spoken to them both this week. My Nerdy Girl friend, who always accompanies me to South by Southwest, I was just in Italy with her. I was touring in Italy in August, and there she was visiting by accident and my virgin mary's friend laura davis will be my host while i'm in vancouver so everybody's great all my friends are still there <laughs> and again you are melissa Oftemauer playing on tuesday at fluvog for free 3 p.m that's the fluvog 65 water street in gastown and also later on that day at the pacific cinematique Tuesday, September the 28th, 7 p.m., you're going to be screening your movie, Out of Our Minds. Coming up right now, we're going to play the Danzig track. Anything more you want to tell the people about this particular track? Where did you record this? Like, was everything recorded and then you had Danzig do the vocals? Did you watch Danzig do the vocals or did he mail in the vocals? I don't mean mail in, like, not try. No, I, mean, did he no, I was there. It was phenomenal. Nardwar, I recorded the whole song prior to him being there and I had my vocals doing his guide. Do you imagine how embarrassing that is that I sung his part to show him the part? And so it was me pretending to be him going, listen, sweet little girl, your father's gone below. And then when I was illustrating it, I would sing really girly, I know life's trying hard. So the vocals, so he had the demo version that he learned the parts from and then I flew to Los Angeles to his friend's studio where he does a lot of his albums. And um, I uh, met him for the very first time. It was so exciting. And he was incredibly humble and uh, was offering uh, to do some piano parts even on this thing. It ended up being Mike Garson. We kept all of Mike Garson, who's a legendary guy who played with Bowie and also with Nine Inch Nails and the Pumpkins, which is how I met them. And so he did. Mike Garson, the legend, plays all the crazy piano parts in this. But basically, Danzig did all of his uh, parts pretty much in the first take. You know, I didn't know, like, how is this man's voice going to be? And he, he went into the studio, and the very first line of the song you're about to hear was the very first time he sang it, and it was golden perfection. And what I think is very important is that 
we are showcasing what a soulful, beautiful voice he has because it's a minimal stripped-down song, whereas a lot of people know his stuff from more of, you know, layered rock heaviness. But I think this man has just such a seasoned, beautiful, wise old man voice. Old man is in warrior in a good way. Wise old man, you know. Anyway, I love Danzig, and I always have, because you know I've been wearing that Danzig sweatband since I was just a little one. And he, uh, it's a dream come true, and it's an honor, the most honorable guest I've ever had on my album. What's the closest you got to Morrissey? What's the closest you've got? I know you haven't met him, but what's the closest yeah, you've backstage, got? Backstage, about 10 feet. I went to see him on the, one of those tours a couple of... Uh, about two years ago, it was actually quite ridiculous. It was uh, uh, Morrissey was playing three nights at the Hammerstein Ballroom. Danzig was playing one night on the Saturday. I went to see Morrissey on the Thursday. Went to Danzig on the Saturday and went to Morrissey on the Sunday. And I had a Danzig Morrissey sandwich. And I knew the rhythm section from the new Morrissey band. Then they invited me backstage, and I stood ten feet from him. And I specifically did not ask to meet him because I was nervous. For the next record. For the next record. Well, let's. I feel like I'd be really pushing my luck, Nardwar. At that point, I might as well just stop making music. If I can get that, forget it. I'm. I don't need to do anything else. Well, anything else you'd like to add to the people out there at Almless Off the Mower? That I miss the West Coast, and it. Uh, I, I'm a northeastern girl, and I don't get out west enough. And I apologize for the uh, the the lack of of love and music that I give you, uh, and I'm, I'm coming this weekend to try to make up for a lot of lost time, and uh, it's a very inspiring place. You guys are lucky to have the mountains and the oceans, and um, I, I miss you, and I miss you, Nardwar. I wish I could have you in my life more often, and I will come back one day, but allow this weekend and Tuesday at Fuevog and the Cinebotech to be the first time in a long time that I commune with you and show you my work. Well, thanks so much, Melissa. Keep on rocking in the free world and do 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 do. La la. Listen, sweet little girl. Your father's gone below I know I'm trying hard Trying to let go Just let me lead you To the ground where lies his heart Your father go. Bye. 
to find your fire girl Survival of your soul the Friday edition of News 101. I'm Andrew.